For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm thrilled to reintroduce my co-host, the in what word did you put here? <laughs> ineluctable? In, ineluctable. Ineluctable or ineluctable? I'm going to go with ineluctable. Okay. I've, I've not Brandon said Riddle. it, I've only written it. What does that mean? Inevitable. We've okay. You could have just said inevitable. And yeah, but this, what? This, this is a cool word. Everyone so, knows what inevitable means, but ineluctable. So, so uh, <laughs> Patrick, uh, who we'll, we'll get into our our great guest that we have today. So, just a primer for you, Brandon. Whenever I introduce him, he likes to throw in these adjectives uh, that are really, I mean, niche. I suppose I've never read this word before. Niche is really um, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. We're 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 expanding our. Uh, our knowledge here in ineluctable uh maybe we'll we'll come back with the full definition at the end of the episode <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> this is gonna be fun yeah <laughs> anyway joining us in the chaos today is uh one of my favorite baseball writers and twitter follows uh mlb young boy himself patrick ellington uh pat is the force behind two of the best recurring baseball article series out there where he profiles black baseball players in both major and minor league baseball uh from across the african diaspora he is also the voice of the red black green baseball podcast on the picture list podcast network you can find pat's word on his me- words on his medium page and follow him on twitter at tangible underscore uno pat welcome to the show thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it um both of you guys are great follows on twitter um I really appreciate <laughs> you guys a lot. You guys are hilarious yourself. So ah, thank it's good you. to be here. Yeah, we're <laughs> excited. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, man, this is going to be crazy. Yeah. So uh, today we have planned a pretty wild and action-packed episode. Uh, so, Brandon, uh, take us through the rundown. Yeah, so it's really an ineluctable rundown. Uh, so first of all, we, of course, have some, I know, some uh, pickoff trivia. Uh, then Pat's going to give us a baseball story, which I'm very excited about. And then we have the pickle jar featuring the term, the five o'clock hitter, which took me a moment to remember, which is kind of cool. And then we have a fantastic story. It's one of the weirdest trades in MLB history, the life swap. Uh, So be ready for that one. Uh, All right. Yeah. So before, let's uh, jump into that pickoff trivia. Yeah, let's get warmed up. Okay, so Patrick, I know you are a big Cleveland guy uh, yourself, so I, I tailored this one a little bit to you. No pressure, okay. uh, but here we go. So in 2018, Jose Ramirez hit 39 home runs and stole 34 bases, becoming the first Cleveland player to join the 30-30 club since this player did it a decade earlier in 2008. Great size Nice. Was that was that just a softball? Was that too easy? I feel like that was too easy. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, I, so I, I, I was didn't know off the top. I of my head. Like a lot of people I, I, could have guessed Lindor could have done it too. True. That's or true. Some, yeah. Or, oh, Michael Brantley. Eh, not Michael Brantley. Oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of David DeLucci. He could have done it. Yeah. I've never heard of David <laughs> oh, DeLucci in my oh, life. Man, his face just went stone. I, I was happy to see he was on the 2008 club. But yeah, I've oh, never heard okay. that name before in my life. Oh, you, oh um, I'm going to do a whole story of David DeLucci now. Because I love him. That's okay. crazy. Um, all right. All right. So so a little bonus uh, aside here. So 
Uh, Grady Sizemore, you got it. Uh, so he and Jose Ramirez, they're two of the three Cleveland players to join the 30-30 club in franchise history. Uh, do you know who the first one to do it was? Joe Carter. Joe Carter. Do you wow. know what year it was? Wow. 87. Okay, Damn. 87. Wow, you're a that is, dang. That, that, is cool. that is the most, I think... In, in all this is our 36th episode that was probably the most confident uh and quick response to trivia we've ever had because usually, i'm assuming it was correct yeah he nailed both of those nice two for two man um, i was thinking like manny ramirez <laughs> manny no, he's never really a, a base he wasn't really guy. stealing man. yeah that's there we go. Cool. He's getting cut a lot, probably. But at, at yeah. least the uh, the Manny that that I ended up watching in the the Dodgers days definitely wasn't oh, stealing yeah, bases. No. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Uh. Maybe maybe this will stump you then. Uh. Part three. So, do you know where Grady Sizemore began his professional career? Montreal Expos organization. Damn. Three for three. Holy crap. Jeez. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So next time, next time we have you on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give you some real, yeah, some real journey that questions. Stone I'll have to dig deep. Yeah. Some, some, some killer one okay. next time. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, quite a, quite an entrance. I, I, I'm glad it's not possible for other podcasts to take over podcasts because he would just destroy <laughs> us and say, "Nope, you belong to me now." Yeah. I don't think I'm that good, but. No, to say otherwise <laughs> so so that was something that while i was looking into you know trying to come up with a trivia question i had no idea that grady sizemore was a montreal expo like that yeah, he was um that trade was part of was one of the most upsetting trades ever yeah um it's really interesting um that trade getting you trade can, can you remind Bartolo. us what all happened in that trade okay so um that trade bartolo Long got sent from cleveland to the montreal Expos in exchange for brandon phillips Grady Sizemore and Cliff Lee, um, which is a crazy deal to think about. Just yeah. those three pieces together and just how good they were individually. What was Montreal doing? <laughs> like, I don't know, because they, they traded Pedro. They traded um, Randy Johnson. They traded Randy, yeah. They, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. Um, oh. Larry Walker. Yeah. There was a lot, there was a lot of talented guys on those expo teams from the 90s. That I day. just... Like I, I get that Bartolo obviously wasn't you know big sexy yet, and he wasn't like a meme at the time. He was a good player. He was a, but, he was, a he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah, because just kind of based on what he could do, and he was one of those pitchers. He was like the only starter back, and he could throw like ninety seven or yeah. something too. And, and it's also you know you look at these trades with we're looking at with the benefit of hindsight, mm-hmm. knowing what Cliff Lee became, knowing what Brandon Phillips became. Uh, but even still, it's wild to think, like even as you know, young guys as prospects, that that package got done with Grady Sizemore, Cliffley, and I Brandon know. Phillips, who are three of the the more memorable names from the two thousands. And 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 so many trades, so many trades that happen with big names with prospects attached. The prospects will a lot of times not pan out. Like yeah. I, I I remember when Randy Johnson was traded to the Yankees, and all the prospects we got back, like none of them had anything resembling a good career i don't think so yeah, yeah the fact that all three of them panned out the way they did it's phenomenal I mean, and they were, yeah more they were all multi-all-star guys um cliff lee was probably on a, like on a hall of fame track if he didn't get injured um yeah Grady sizemore too and and yeah. then you got Brandon phillips as your third piece who was a above average second baseman for most of his career yeah. i feel like in the scheme of because we so little background so we love to specifically i love to talk about 
2000 second baseman and i feel like brandon phillips when you talk about 2000 second baseman like he doesn't necessarily get brought up as as much as he should alongside the chase utley's alongside the the ian kinsler's mm-hmm. right but he was so fun to i don't think he play. was on that tier but oh no no um, but like just in terms of like you know name you know maybe not in terms of ability but like you know he was definitely a big personality in the game at that time too definitely he had a lot of swag when we were kids that was one thing yeah, yeah. him him sean figgins there's a lot of black infielders during yeah. the thousands that were really balling out yeah sean figgins i remember watching him on the angels as a kid and then um, later the mariners and he was a lot of fun an- another big name infielder or a big personality was orlando hudson remember him oh yeah. i love orlando, orlando hudson the dog um ricky weeks was another one yeah um, Man, O-Dog, I remember one of my most favorite baseball memories was when he got dra- or traded to the Dodgers, and then I watched him uh, hit for the cycle. And back oh, in those yeah. days, you know, I thought there wasn't something, you couldn't do anything cooler than hit for the cycle in a game. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, yeah, in now, 2007, you hit, you hit for the cycle, you were, you were like God, yeah. basically. Yeah, and like he was just so fun. Like uh, That was like a mid-range jump shot in 2007 basketball. Nice. <laughs> right? We put it in. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Patrick, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the work you've been doing in baseball. That's been really cool. Uh, but we also know you've been you, you covered some games. Uh, it was last season, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so in when we were talking you know, before the podcast, you said you had like a, a game experience that, that you wanted to tell a story about. So uh, what was what's the uh, the context, the context there? And uh, take us into that story. Um. So. It was it was it was just uh, another game I was covering. Um, it was actually um, a game where I was trying to talk to a top prospect, and it was funny because um, I was I was trying to like meet guys who I was kind of cool with to yeah um, give me give me contact with top prospects so I could do a feature on them and a story yeah. and stuff because he has a really unique story. And you guys probably know. I'll, I'll tell you guys what I'm talking about off the record, but um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I was I was like hawking down the guys necks and stuff so i was really shaking the tree and plus it was just prospect was supposed to happen a hot streak during this time so um everybody in the media was trying to talk to him so mm-hmm. um so everybody was trying to everybody was kind of getting antsy especially the managers and stuff um so um the prospect had goes out and hits one home run um <laughs> and it's another home run's epic streak he's having. I'm tweeting about it in the seven. It's going viral because uh-huh. I get it on video. Yeah. And then it's the bottom of the ninth inning. The team is down like seven to nine. There's two men on base. The prospect's up to bat. Bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, all that. Like, And he hits a walk-up three-one home run. And his wow. family's in the crowd and all that, too. It's the dream. To see him. Like, it's crazy. It's perfect. So he has to talk. So I'm gonna get to talk to him and ask him and all that. Da, 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 da. There's that. There's that facet. And then um, I also get it on video, like perfect video from the press box yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Too. So I tweet the video out of this top prospect. <laughs> I tag him and everything. And um, a top prospect account for Guardians prospects steals the video and tweets it himself without crediting me. Oh. Oh, that's an issue. Yeah, that's not cool. And it, it's crazy because um, he has beef with like um, the editor of the publication I work for. Uh-huh. And it, it's weird. Um, someone else who works in for another publication now who um, who used to work in a, for an affiliate out in Lynchburg, 
which I'm Virginia, which is very far from the other affiliates that Cleveland has, which are all uh, in Northeast Ohio. Well, mm-hmm. Columbus is Central Ohio, but whatever. Um, he DM'd me on Twitter and was like, hey, even down in Lynchburg, none of the guys in the press box liked him. So, like, I mean, he has a reputation. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, he's been known for selling people's stuff. Like, um, yeah. I've had I've had beat writers who, who work for who cover Cleveland, Cleveland Guardians DM me like, yeah, he's, he's been selling people for over a decade. Just wow. Wow. It's like a sign you made it. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you got your stripes. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, there's that, um, it, it was just a mess just cause it, it was just a really just funny day. Yeah, that's a tangled web. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to, baseball is really messy and yeah. I, it's really annoying. Um, especially kind of how unprofessional I am on Twitter. No, we, we were just, <laughs> we were just, no, we were just talking about, you know, the, just the lockout earlier. It's just like, it makes it very difficult or MLB specifically makes it very difficult to be a fan of baseball. And they that's do. just such a, it's just such a shame because like, especially as a young fan, like exactly, especially as a young fan with sense, like is they really do everything they can to alienate us. Yeah. And, and baseball, unlike football, for example, you see their faces, you see the personalities on every single play. You, you, you see, you know, you get familiar with the Orlando Hudson's, you get excited about them, but MLB has a way of pushing the fans away, clearly. Yeah. And it's just such a Well, they only want a certain type of fans, and it's very obvious yeah. what they want. So yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at look at just the offerings that MLB Network has. When you've got people doing the broadcast that actively seem to dislike the game, you know, how are you gonna market it to young people? How are you gonna market it to, to anyone who's not really a fan of of the sport, right? Like when the people who are supposed to be the ones promoting it actively seem to have a distaste for the sport. Like there's, how do you grow that? And all we want to do is love baseball. Just love us back guys. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's another thing too, when you actively abuse the youth in your sport who are our age yeah. and going through the same oh, things we are yes. in, in real time, especially when it comes to trying to like actually be an adult. Yeah. And I want to write an article about it, but I'm going to kind of struggle to find the words because I'm just going to get inflammatory and, and just be like, you old geezers messed all this up, and put the burden, put the burden of capitalism on my back for what? Yeah, yeah. So at at some point, I, I think we should dive into the, the life of a, like a minor leaguer, for example. At at some yeah. point, I think that'd be a good story to dive into here. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, that's kind of so. You know, our podcast is trying to reach people that aren't necessarily into baseball the sport and trying to get them more invested in the stories and the mm-hmm. people who, who make up the game. Um, yeah. So uh, for, for example, the, the lockouts being, you know, the, the generic term for lockout is, you know, it's billionaires versus millionaires when that's not at all what it is. No, all these guys no. are literally struggling to get by day to day, going to public gyms, working yeah. out in the park because they don't yeah, have definitely. the funds. Um, yeah. And MOBPA has said multiple times that they're trying to get more for guys in, in years yeah. zero to three. And most guys don't even make it to year three, which is no. the crazy part. Well, when you're making like on an average, I think it's like 12 grand a, a year, which is just far below it's the, nothing. not even minimum wage, but like that's mm-hmm. far below the poverty line. Then you consider, okay, you know, I think the, like the average rent in the U S is like a thousand a month. Okay. That's like only enough to cover maybe 12 months of yeah. rent. Like, and that's I mean, not even talking about food or water or, 
or electricity and all the utilities and all the things that or when you're a professional living. athlete that needs to keep up a certain lifestyle you yeah. just can't do that i mean we've seen so many stories the last few years come out of uh you know spring training in by these you know players that aren't major leagues yet uh they have to do uber after yeah. uh, after you know games or they have to do these other jobs just to make ends meet when meanwhile you have owners that are making so much money off the game and all it would take is the cost of a mid-range player to make the minor league's life amazing. Yep. Or amazing, yep. better is the word I should yeah. use. Dece- yeah, livable. Livable. Like, respectable, yeah. and that's the thing. Respectable. I feel like people don't realize that, um, or people don't care that there's a severe lack of respectability in baseball based on all these yeah. conditions. And the correlates for lack of respectability that we allow um, ourselves as working class people. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is really messed up, like, just on a very basic level. Mm. And it's it's and it's it's really like when you consider that someone will put their entire life into the sport, the sport then, that they love. Yeah. It, well, yeah. And then if, you know, it's, it's and very then, unlikely. And have them taking advantage like that. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I mean, it's, well, it, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, we love baseball. It doesn't love us back, but that's very real at that level. It just does not love the players that give it life. Well, and especially when you consider, like like Patrick said, you know, just the, you know, you're sacrificing your body, your health, but also you're sacrificing your time, you know, like think of, you know, grinding in the minor leagues for four seasons. Yeah, that's your life. And then you end up not making it or you end up retiring or getting cut. And then you have to go carve out a career for yourself. And, you know, baseball skills are not something that easily trans- translates to like a resume all, all the time. So it's it's really just like the sacrifice and they're getting, I mean, they're getting screwed over in pretty much every way, shape and form. <sighs> so it is, it is not millionaires versus billionaires. That's not the framework. That's just what's being put out to kind of shade the arguments. It's just about basic human decency at the end well, of just, the day. It's just yeah. classism. Like that's that's all it is. It's just trying to keep classes in you know under control, and it's it's just brutal and it's it's fiendish. But um, you know, just more of a, a sidestepping, uh, Patrick. Like, tell us more about like your. You know, how did you grow to love baseball in the first place? I know you talked a, a bit about Sean Figgins. Um, now, was that like that that first player for you that really got you into the game? Uh, were there a handful of others? What, what's what did like your early baseball experience um, look my, like? My 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 player was CC Sabathia. Nice. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it had to be CC Sabathia. Um, it, it couldn't be nobody else CC Sabathia for baseball <laughs> for me. Um, born I was born in '98, so um, he did it, debuted in '01, so. Um, my I come from a baseball family. My great grandfather played in the Negro Leagues, um, for, for a amount of time. Um, so there's a strong love of baseball in my family. My grandmother and my mom they love the sport a lot. Um, they really um raised me up with the sports. My dad is a Yankees fan. Grew up in the 70s and 80s, and, and as a Yankees fan, my mom is a Guardians fan, and he's a Gar- Guardians fan. Um. Mm-hmm. When I was in third grade, she made me write a, a book report about Satchel Page after I got suspended from school and I needed a makeup sign to do. What? So, That's um, ridiculous. But so, it's Satchel. No, yeah, no, like it was it was a makeup assignment. Okay. So, um, so she made me write about Satchel Page. So that was kind of, um, and I remember getting a, a children's book as a kid. She doesn't remember this about um Henry Aaron and explain um. 
racism and Jim Crow and things yeah. like that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a kid's book, and that was really big for me, um, kind of based on what I do now and my perspectives and my politics and things like that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's so many things to want to talk about there. Um, yeah, for there's, example, there's, yeah, I mean, just the intersection of um, of black history and baseball and things like that is big for me. Um, yeah. Um, what, what what team or teams did your grandfather play for? If you remember, um, if you know. I don't. I don't know. They, okay. They, it, it's kind of based on word of mouth, just just from my great grandparent grandmother and my and my grand and my grandmother. So they they claim he did. And he did too. Like I remember him talking about it every now and then. But yeah. that's about as far as it goes. Yeah, we, we, we got to have you back on to talk about Satchel because I think Satchel is probably the top three players of both of us. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. he's got to be my favorite favorite pitcher, I think. Um, and and some more in terms of like your writing career because it's that's been something that you know we've been kind of following. That's really been really like meteoric rise, which has been really awesome to see. Like, what's like? Is there like a certain like lesson that you've taken away from kind of like your your experiences so far as a baseball writer? Um, I, I've been trying to just figure it out. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I'm that good. I, I feel like sometimes I have imposter syndrome um, about it because I, I take it seriously. Um, just because I get the chance to have more of an audience than most people ever will, in a sense. And I'm on the cusp of doing it full time, and I get to talk to people like you about it, and because people like you care about my opinion, so just more than what most people could say in itself. So that right there is a responsibility, and it's a lot. And, um, and I take it real seriously, because I, I, I want to I be the best, and I, I want to um, just take it around with it, because words mean something to me, and I just, I know um, the power of writing, and, and what is going to change my life, and change others around me. So um, it's it's a really big deal to be here because I never really planned for for what's writing about baseball. This is just a hobby for me, and for me to get opportunities to where people will pay me to, to do certain things and and will willing to take their time out for me to do certain things with them. Um, it's flattering and it's huge, and I'm just happy to be here because it gives me a chance to be something that I wanted to be for a long time, which is a writer. And yeah. To have it in such an unexpected pathway is really interesting. So I'm just trying to um, kind of feel my way around as I um, kind of establish myself, but also um, know that I'm just scratching the surface and that I have a lot of potential and what I'm trying to do and what I can do. So, you know, yeah, I, I was just, <laughs> just going to say to kind of like speak to your work ethic a little bit. Like I swear, like I open Twitter way too many times a day. Uh, and like half the time I see you, you, you tweet something. It's like, I need to work harder. I'm not doing enough. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, damn, I got to work harder. <laughs> like this guy puts out more content than I think anybody I know. <laughs> like, I was like, what if, you know, but that that's, I feel like uh, it's kind of, no, that's kind of insecurity based on me. And I got to do better with that and be more confident in myself. And I'll be honest about that. Um, I do produce a lot of content. I think, I don't know if I do, do I objectively guys? I don't, do I? Yeah. I mean, it's- Put out a lot of content. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I mean, it's just, I'm very aloof. So, like, there's sometimes, I, I mean, I'm just doing stuff. And I mean, that kind of maybe explains why I'm so empathetic about my own work sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get my, and my lack of confidence. Um, I, I, I just kind of um, work best that way in a sense. 
just no, kind of. I, I, I can say I, I first came aware of you when you know red green uh, red black green baseball podcast started coming out, and the content on Twitter that is constantly coming out and the shows it's phenomenal. Like, you think you haven't possibly like looking at you? We're like, oh no, we ha- we stand no <laughs> chance. We got to do better too. So you know, no, you're inspiring I, I really, everyone. I really um. That that means a lot. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm just trying to um figure figure things out. So yeah, I think it goes for all of us. <laughs> That's yeah, we're we're young people in 2022. I feel like figuring things out is just what what we're trying to you know. It's it's hard. You know, it's Definitely. it's hard to and be a young it, person. It's hard and, to be. And it's harder just, for me too because I'm doing this around a full time job and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yep. And it's so I, that's there. I feel like I'm not putting the time in that I could. So yeah, yeah. But I mean, you gotta you gotta you know rest too. You know, you, you, you got to take gotta, care of yourself. Sometimes it's okay to go from a hundred miles an hour to just like a cool 95, 90. It, it is very possible to burn out. So you have to make sure that. No, for sure. Stops. But I, I feel like I'm still not even putting on the content I really want yeah. to yet. So it's just inspiring, man. I just, I don't, I'm just really, I'm not satisfied. I'm just, um, I'm just really not where I want to be at all yet. So, but you're doing great. Let me tell you, it's, it's, it's been fantastic yeah. to watch, watch you rise up. Thank yeah. you guys. I really, I'm really flattered. Um, but, just, a, uh, just a big podcast group hug. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. man, I didn't, I didn't expect this to get so. We've, we've covered some ground. We're only twenty five minutes in, and we've, we've already, you know, pretty much done Rob Manfred. We've had had a touching oh, moment as is tradition. Yeah, I mean, we do that every episode. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we will be back with the pickle jar after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, we are back. I hope you enjoyed whatever ad we just had in there. Uh, welcome back to another installment of The Pickle Jar. So uh, for those of you who have not played The Pickle Jar game before uh, or are first-time listeners or for you, Patrick, uh, The Pickle Jar is a segment uh, where we take one uh, slang term out of baseball's you know very, very extensive library uh, and we po- we kind of pitch it to some of our friends that uh, are less familiar with baseball and its you know collection of and hilarity and, ensues. Yeah, we pitch it to them. We ask them what they think it is, and ideally, hilarity ensues. So this week, the term is five o'clock hitter. Now, this is a term that I had actually never heard of before, and you know, not to sound arrogant, but like I- I've heard of most of these, so it kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> um, Patrick, have you heard of this term? No. I, I, okay. I think we all have. I think it's going to jog our memories okay. when we hear it. Okay, so Pat, I'm going to actually put you on the spot here. Uh, what do you think a five o'clock hitter means? An inconsistent hitter. An Why inconsistent is that? hitter. Why is that? Um, 
five o'clock, I'm thinking, I don't know, five o'clock just seems like a sometime time of day. Okay. That's okay. Fair. You know, I that's, get that. that's a good thought process there. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Five o'clock, everybody's getting off work. Eh, was that old prime time back then? Maybe. Yeah. Um, five, six o'clock, yeah. I guess that'll be it. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, so, of course, friend of the show, Courtney, uh, had said, <laughs> gotta love Courtney, uh, she thinks it's a hitter that can end the game since five o'clock is when you get off work. So, end okay. the game at five o'clock. Honestly, like, that's not bad if you yeah. pose it in the sense that, like, you know, this guy come up to the plate could be, like, hit a walk-off, you know? So, like, hypothetically, like, you know, bottom of the ninth, you're like, Manny Machado is the 5 o'clock hitter right now. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to uh, yeah. could work. clock out, sure. I, I asked my, my friend Simon, and he said a 5 o'clock hitter was a batter that hits a lot of foul balls. Sure. I don't know. Maybe. Sure. Why not? Uh, so, Brandon- so the, the yeah, the actual is <laughs> the actual meaning is kind of fun here. Uh, so most games, they start around at six o'clock, seven o'clock, I want to say. Um, so batting practice takes, um, uh, takes at around five o'clock. So well, five o'clock hitter is somebody hits, practice. yeah, somebody hits great at batting practice, but cannot hit the broad side of a barn in the game and just rides the bench. So five o'clock hitter, great in BP, terrible in the game. That's cool. kind of fun. That's, and, uh, that's very backhanded. There's a lot of backhanded compliments in baseball uh, terminology. Especially, the old, yeah. especially back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that just describes my high school career. It was just, you know, bat- oh, BP, solid. I'm, ki- I'm killing coaches pitching right they now. Bring them on. Sliders. I don't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it is also interesting too because you know if there's a day a day game, I guess you could repurpose it to being like a 10 a.m. hitter or whatever the team's taking batting Cup practice. Cup of coffee hitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I almost I almost wondered if if it kind of had something to do with the setting sun in the batter's eye when I kind of looked this up because mm-hmm. I don't know five o'clock like I kind of thought like the inverse could be true like they're really bad at you know five o'clock because the sun was. You know, more of a factor. Yeah, sure. But well, that's that's kind of a fun one. And um, we do have another pickup trivia. Okay. Now, this one's a harder I, I, one. We'll see. It we'll is. see. Patrick probably has it though. So you know, I, he's gonna know the day and the year and exactly. He's already three for three. So we'll, let's see. So I know the story. I love the story, but I do not remember the player's name. So we'll check if we know it here. So which player was traded for a bucket of baseballs? I know what happened. It, it, it is not Grady Sizemore. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those stories that you always remember, but you cannot pin the player's name. So you, you have to look like you might. Do you know the story? I know the story. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the name's just escaping us. I feel like it's one of those things where like I've heard the story, but it's never been attached to a name. Mm. Okay. That's fair. Do we have any guesses or do we do we I just go for it? It, it can't be a big name that people know. It can't be a good player that people know because otherwise it'd be a big, huge story. So it's got to be just like some player on the fringe that was going to hang around like, for a while. I'm going to guess and say, uh, I'm going to be wrong. Because uh, I know he's a New York player. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, can we give you a hint there? Sure. It was not a New York player. Okay. <laughs> um. Um, he he had played for Philadelphia at some point. Uh, he was cut. Which which Philadelphia? Oh, Phillies. That's a good point. The Phillies. Okay. Phillies. 
it also that's, happens. That's the, that's the main team you play for. That's when he was cut. Yeah, he got okay. cut from the Phillies. And oh, then, um, was it? Uh, what's his face? Uh, Pete Rose. It was oh. not Pete Rose. No, I, I thought you were going to get this, and I was going to be blindsided. <laughs> I was going to be really impressed because uh, I wouldn't have gotten this. In uh, who was it, Noah? It was uh, Tim Fortuno. Uh, he was a pitcher, uh, had been cut from Philadelphia, and he ended up pitching for an independent league team, uh, the Reno Silver Sox, which is a pretty rad That's name. That's kind of a cool name, yeah. Um, he was only pitching. He was pitching for $500 a month, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, he pitched a game against the Brewers farm team in Stockton and uh, well, Milwaukee took notice. The Brewers came knocking and they offered Reno $2,500 to buy out Tim's contract. Now Reno's general manager, a man named Jack Patton, he actually maintained that uh, Fortuno was worth much more than $2,500. And now keep in mind, this isn't a minor league team. This is an independent, independent team. Yeah. They're not affiliated. Uh, but, uh, and, and usually this is players join independent league teams is kind of like a, a last last ditch effort to get noticed mm -hmm. by, by, a you know, an affiliated team, uh, and to get that, that opportunity to play, uh, in, well, in affiliated baseball, but anyway, uh, so the GM says $2,500 isn't enough. Um, and so of course, uh, Tim Fortuno, he was like, dude, just let them buy my contract so I can return to the majors so I can have a shot for my career. But this GM was like very adamant. He's like, no, I have to get more. So finally, the Brewers <laughs> gave in. They gave Patton the $2,500. But then the the thing that really pushed the deal over the edge was they threw in 12 dozen baseballs. I can't imagine how insulted that guy must have felt. Like, I, To be fair, 12 dozen pearl baseballs, that, that means something. Those Them's goods. <laughs> I, I, not, no, not to the point where it's worth holding up my entire career for. Are you kidding me? Dude, yeah, I would be so, I'd be, I'd, I'm bitter for this guy. You're such an independent ball? Yeah, yeah, yeah in, independent ball. Like in Reno, like nothing against anyone who's listening to this from, from Reno, but like, it's wild. Like, I, I I feel like I'd rather that they, I don't know, like, I guess the 2500 so when I had heard this story, it was always, like, I never had heard about the $2,500, I thought it was straight up for a bucket of baseballs, so I guess that makes it, like, a little better, but I feel like it's even more insulting to know that, like, the guy had to, you know, this guy's GM had to win the deal, right? It's like, yeah. dealing with a pro team, like, come on, like, what do you get your head out of your ass <laughs> uh, and, and, but like yeah. 2500 and then like he wants like a a sweetener which is like 12 dozen baseballs i, I get that so a uh, tim weird fortuno there's your bar trivia folks yeah weird trade not the weirdest trade however that we will be talking about here Ooh, tonight we get another great story why well, i don't remember the players involved but i remember the story and uh noah's gonna tell us a little bit about that <laughs> What do you remember, Brandon? <laughs> I don't remember many things. Um, I remember Prime Apple Pro Holes, and that's about it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, if you're like me, you know, having grown up through the 2000s and during the height of reality television, you're probably familiar with a show that aired on ABC called Wife Swap. Uh, either yeah. you, you, you guys I remember that one. Heard of, heard that was kind of like fun. a Dave Chappelle skit. Yeah. No, Dave Chappelle did a did a Chappelle <laughs> show skit about it. Hasm Swap. Yeah. Uh, so wife swap it was as you can imagine a very messy kind of affair Weird. where two families from like you know they were always from like radically different backgrounds they would swap wives <laughs> it was so crazy when he had a black family on too like oh, yeah. yeah yeah they always had like some 
It was just like the culture oh, shock man. was like the whole, you know, like that was like their selling point, right? Um, and like you'd always sometimes they'd have like an episode where everyone would got along like really, really well. And then like other times there would be like, you know, the house would be on fire when they swap back. <laughs> They'd be like a disaster. Like yeah. it'd be terrible. It'd be yeah. Now this was of course at the time when they were airing such masterpieces such as like Honey Boo Boo and you know, like what was that? Honey Boo Boo was after wipe swap. I want to point that out. I'd never really watched Yeah. Reality TV show. Uh, but yeah, essentially, you know, that was the whole deal was these two families would swap wives for a week uh, and then hilarity ensues. Right now, a lesser known fact is this that is Major messy. League Baseball, actually, uh, and specifically the New York Yankees, they underwent a wife swap of their own back in the 1970s, which, you know, knowing the 1970s, uh, it checks out. Sure. Uh, so what follows is a weird and winding tale that is truly stranger than fiction. So it all starts with a man named fritz peterson which by the way hey great name fritz. yeah he's a he's a good player too or i can't say i remember him obviously but i know of him <laughs> yeah so fritz was a left-handed pitcher signed by the yankees in 1963 as an undrafted free agent he spent three years in the minors debuted at age 24 in 1966 and in his first four seasons he was you know about he was above average he was pretty solid he had a 294 era and a 109 uh, era plus uh, in just over yeah, 880 solid. innings pitched. How do you, you know? do that? I, 880 innings? <laughs> I, Greenies. Yeah. Greenies in the 60s. That's how it was done. In four seasons. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty. No, like, how do you do like a two, such a low ERA but with such a low ERA plus? Uh, so the year of the pitcher is how. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> that, 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 uh, yeah, that makes sense. The yeah. the offensive environment at, the, at that point. I forgot what yeah. year it was. Yeah. Um, so now in 1969, he becomes roommates with a man named Mike Kekich, who is a fellow Southpaw that was just acquired in a trade with the LA Dodgers. Now, Mike Kekich, uh, he was a hard throwing left-hander side signed by the Dodgers as also, he was also an undrafted free agent uh, signed in 1964. And he drew early comparisons to Sandy Koufax when he signed with a $50,000 hey. bonus. Uh, now we, we, a lot of players when they come up as rookies get these like ridiculous expectations thrown on them. Like, Oh, he's the next, uh, you know, Ted Williams Mays or Ted Williams or, and usually it doesn't work out very well. Uh, anyway, Mike Kekich, you know, never really had a shot with expectations that high. Uh, he, no. he debuted, uh, he had a cup of coffee with the Dodgers in 1965, but he struggled with command. Uh, and that actually kept him in the minors until 1968. Wait, wait. I want to point out that's very Koufax-like in their early yeah. career to struggle with command. So, hey, well, right also, on point. Also, the the big bonus, too, out of the gate, because uh, Koufax himself was a bonus baby. Yeah. Um, and and you got to keep in mind that this is 1965. Koufax retired in, I want to say, 1963. Uh, so, you know, the, people were, were looking for the next the memories big, big fresh, thing. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, he, his command issues kept him in the minors until he came back in 1968, and then he struggled in 20 starts with the Dodgers and posted a 3.91 ERA and a 71 ERA plus mm. in 115 innings pitched. Not as good as his later teammate Fritz Peterson. Uh, and not long after, uh, Kekich was shaped or shipped to New York in exchange for outfielder Andy Costco. Of course, Andy Costco. This is where our story begins. So Kekich and Peterson became good roommates and very good family friends shortly thereafter. Uh, 
and so Fritz and Mike, they bonded over their many shared similarities, both in age and in family structure. For example, uh, they both had two children. Kekich had two daughters and Peterson had two sons. Uh, each family also just had a dog, too. So they're very similar. And also, they're the same age, right? Yeah. Uh, the two families, they grew very, very close uh, living nearby each other in New Jersey. Uh, and Kekich actually said, you know, we had a tremendous amount of affection and compatibility all around. Okay. Okay. We're getting getting kind of weird here. Let's see where this goes. Oh, it's gonna get so much weirder. <laughs> this is it's what gonna type get of swinging. This is hey, it's the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's gonna get really messy. Just wait. So, in particular, the two pitchers they felt themselves drawn to their opposites' partners. With Mike Kekich growing fond of the thoughtful and introspective oh. Marilyn Peterson. And Fritz got close with uh, Mike's wife, the athletic and energetic Suzanne Kekich. That's a nice way to say co- cocaine was involved. It was. Would, it was yeah. the sixties, seventies, seventies. Yeah. You know. um, <laughs> so after a time, you know, the two couples they started to wonder if they would be better off uh, with the other spouse. Okay. 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 And an idea formed. The players would just switch home lives. Now, I feel like this is one of those things where, like, they're having drinks together, and it's like, oh, wouldn't this be funny? And then some part of them, they're like, I mean. <laughs> they're sitting in, like, the weird 70s fabric on the couch all around, and the carpeting's so, fuzzy and weird. It's just some nasty work right there. So so for our <laughs> listeners, Patrick's been shaking his head for, like, the last 30 seconds. Um, we'll see if that continues. Uh <laughs> So they no, said, you know what, no. we're going <laughs> to we're going to switch our home lives. So and, and it's not that the players were unhappy in their current relationships. In fact, the opposite was true. Uh, Mike Kekich later said, he, you know, he said, by American standards, I had a good marriage, but I wanted a, he, I wanted a great marriage. I was idealistic. Talk about backhand compliment. Eh, I mean, he said he said he had a good marriage. But yeah, I agree. Um, American but, standards, you know, the, the bars and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh so this all comes to fruition in the summer of nineteen seventy two, allegedly at a house party thrown by the Yankees beat writer at the time, Maury Allen. What? So this is a different time, man. Yeah. I mean <laughs> well, the, well that's the thing is that this just... this was uh I think this was before the reserve clause. So players and, and beat writers, they kinda had similar salaries. Uh or you know, they were it wasn't yet, you know, players weren't making yeah, millions of dollars yet. Um, so they did They did actually hang out a, quite a bit. And, I mean, they still, to a degree, you know, spend time with each other on planes. It's obviously they're not going to parties at each other's houses. Um, but so, essentially, the two families at this point were very close. Um, and they knew that they had good chemistry with each other. Uh, but nothing had happened. I'm sure. Yet. So the two couples, they drive separately to the party. And they were having a really good time, uh, you know. They're having a few drinks, which is a shocker, I know. Uh, and after a while, it's a it PG was... podcast, Noah. Please, they had Kool Aid. Okay. <laughs> um, it was decided after a while that Marilyn Peterson would ride home with Mike Kekich and that Suzanne would leave with Fritz. So after they hashed out their plan, the two couples left in separate cars, and they agreed to meet at a diner in Fort Lee, did, New Jersey. Did they run this by their children? <laughs> Because that could be jarring. Well, kids aren't at the party. You know, it's it's like a, a Yankees event, I would hope. Okay, I, okay. I can't imagine. Uh, so they hash out their plan. They leave in separate cars, and they they plan to meet at a diner in Fort Lee, New Jersey. So supposedly, Fritz and Suzanne had already finished eating breakfast when Mike and Marilyn arrived two hours later. 
so nobody, I mean, you can read okay. between the lines there, but, uh, so then everyone, but everyone had a great night. Uh, and so they decided sure. to do it again the next night. And th- when they went out for dinner at a steakhouse, uh, now this time, Mike and Marilyn, they left together early. Fritz and Suzanne stayed behind and they had a few drinks. All four again, had fun that evening. So now they're doing it like every, you know, every couple of days they're, they're pairing up. Uh, and eventually, uh, Mike Kekich fell deeply in love with Fritz's wife, Marilyn, and Fritz fell deeply in love, in love with Mike's wife, Suzanne. Uh, Fritz has a quote here that says, you know, I told Marilyn I just have to have Suzanne, and Marilyn said she was in love with Mike. So huh. the two couples decided to make the arrangement permanent. Uh, so <laughs> Kekich says, uh, he, he says that everyone had agreed that if any of them were unhappy, the entire deal was off. What? What was so did like, they stay the together thoughts? or well, so that's what they were saying was they they decided to just completely swap at this time uh you know, and they're basically saying like, hey, you know, we'll see how this goes uh if anyone's go. unhappy we'll we'll see uh, what what did the teammates think of this like they must have oh, known we'll, that we'll, was going we'll get on there. okay we'll get there. okay how to how to go, please go. <laughs> So, we need to know these things. So before we get into it, so the term wife swap is something of a misnomer here because as Kekich put it, he said, you know, we didn't swap wives, we swapped lives. So the players switched families with the children and pets staying with their mothers. So yeah, Brandon, like you said, I can't imagine saying, like, telling my kid like, hey, you know, you're going to have a new dad now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and swap this family. And new pets. Yeah. Oh, no, I guess, I guess they're taking the pets with them. Never the mind. kids keep the pets, but. Yeah, um, thank God. So. After the two families swapped husbands, they actually did swap back for a short period. So the two original couples reunited, but I guess it didn't last because then they swapped back after a week. Uh, and so after a while, cracks you know, started to show in these relationships and uh, an imbalance started to appear. So uh, Kekich says here, he says, you know, after a while, it became apparent that Suzanne and Fritz were ideally suited for each other. But meanwhile, Kekich and Marilyn Peterson, while they had a very strong physical att- attraction to each other, uh, he's got a quote here that says, you know, we're born under the same sign, so we sometimes butt heads. We're just on, she and I are on a higher pitch in our emotions. So while they're attracted to each other, they just were not good for like, you know, as a couple living mm-hmm. together, they didn't match up as well. Uh, while meanwhile, Suzanne and Fritz are having the time of their lives, I guess. So now entering the 1973 season, Rumors of this arrangement started to swirl around the team and in the media. So the two couples decided to clear the air with a joint statement. And I don't know if I'm in this position. The last thing I'm doing is calling a press conference. No, (laughs) no, no, no. I feel like some, sometimes you just got to like let rumors be rumors. Um, But so Peterson and Kekich, uh, Mike Kekich, they, they hold two separate press conferences announcing the move. Now, it's been about like a sum, basically just the summer at this point. Uh, but by this point, the relationship between Mike Kekich and Marilyn Peterson had pretty much fizzled out. They were already separated while Fritz and Suzanne were still going strong. And so as a result, the pitchers were barely talking to each other. They go from like really good friends to now they've got an issue because, well, they've made their lives messy. Uh, and <laughs> this is the funniest thing that I read. So like somehow the pitchers didn't think it was a big deal at all until the story got picked up by like national media outlets. Um, so there, <laughs> and, and they basically were, it was just like, Hey, we want to clear the air. You know, it, there's a quote where he's, they say like, Oh, we didn't think it was like some sorted affair. You know, it, 
you know, yeah, it was different, but that's just the seventies essentially. Um, but then then their press conferences, you know, it gets picked up by, you know, it makes national headlines and gets the front page treatment. And so Fritz Peterson says he's like, yeah, I saw my picture on the TV when I woke up and I said, "Uh oh, it's a big one. Uh, and I just I can't imagine like doing this and just being like, yeah, I mean, like nobody's going to think this is odd. Like this is just a very like normal thing to do, knowing yeah. like what we know about american media and just media in general mm-hmm. <laughs> like i can't imagine people being, going like yeah it's gonna be a very small like you know maybe Especially like would it be in new york it's exactly oh, yeah. it's in the, they play for the yankees you know they're like it's it's just wild to think that they're just thinking like yeah it's you know it's a small thing maybe like back page paper material <sighs> but i mean when you got reggie jackson as your teammate that's the thing yeah, yeah. And, well, and and that's in the 70s with the yankees yeah, yeah okay Brady Jackson, Thurman Munson. Can you imagine like the current New York media getting a hold of this? Like it'd be ridiculous. Like if it was Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge. <laughs> yeah, like, like can you imagine like the New York? Uh, uh, was it the Post? That yeah, any of them really. Uh, but what was interesting is that the traditionally very conservative Yankees were fine with it. Now this is a team that mandates you know how long your haircut is. But they're cool. They see no issue with these guys switching lives. Um, and so the manager uh, at the time, Ralph Hook, says, he said, you know, they live their own lives and they've got a lot of years to live. If you're not happy, you only go through the world one time. And why go it through it unhappy? Some people say you just have to stay together for the sake of the kids. We've seen people living together and they're practically separated, which is a nice sentiment. Um, you know, he's like, you know, you, you have one life. You might as well make yourself happy, which sure, I agree with it. But that's also very different when you've got two kids on either side and you're like, it's just and and the fact that they came out and they said like, no, we're not switching lives. I want to have this guy's life. That's what's really nasty work. A little creepy. A little creepy. It's just a whole bunch of nasty work. What do you got me getting into Noah? (laughs) I told you, I told you we had a good story. I just don't think you were, you were prepared for. I wasn't ready. No, (laughs) this is, this is left. I wasn't prepared for it to go this left. I I wasn't prepared for it to go this left. This is, this is some wild stuff right here. This is really heavy. Two guys like, I want to wear your skin. And they go, yeah, I'm good with that. It's yeah. Like, I mean, that's basically what they did. Like, this is gross. Brandon, this has to be like the weirdest story we've. It's we've like they both about, took right? a bath in each other's back, back, uh, back wall. Oh, it was it was worse than that. Very worse than that. Um, yes, definitely one of the weirdest ones, hundred percent. And so, but but I mean, the Yankees are fine with it. And this is so interesting to me because this is when Steinbrenner, uh, you know, is around and he just gets hired. And Steinbrenner is looking for any. This is a, to, this, this is early seventies. This is right when he bought the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, it's literally like he had just bought them. And so Steinbrenner, who is notorious for firing his managers like five times in a season, is just cool with for for nothing for a lot of times for like very minimal grounds. Like it's just really like he's like yeah you know whatever. Um, but both men, they asked the uh, Yankees GM, Lee McPhail, not to be traded in order to keep their families close together. Oh, I don't I, know. Okay. Like, that's like, not going to work. That's going to be a complication for on that's the team gross. side. Um, but, you know, Mike says he's like, I want to be where Fritz is. That's the only way I can be sure of seeing my daughters, which is like a pretty oh. it's a sad it's a really sad. Yeah, there's a lot going to, on there to read that like that's really heavy. But also at the same time, like if your daughters are such you know, like I, I like I can't imagine making the swap when you have kids already. Like that's the thing that really like kind of I'm just like that's got to be so hard on them. I need like a mini series off this. 
I need that. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm good. The implications that that has is is drastic. It's, yeah, but uh, especially if it's especially if it's a if it's a, a drama based miniseries and oh, not like we'll, documentary we'll just wait. based. Oh yeah, just just wait. So by the following like, year, especially if there are like. Is there is if there is debauchery involved? Is it going to be nineteen seventy four or baseball sprinkling yeah. on it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Now there's a show. Um, no, so- we don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't need that at all. Uh, well, we the can have a, a whole. Baseball. We can so, have a whole off the air conversation about yeah. your thoughts on euphoria because so, it sounds like what, 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 what happened here. What, what happened to the, these okay. marriages? Okay, so by the following year, you know, Mike and Marilyn they're broken up, but they were oh. kind of off and on, you know, meeting up. Uh, and Mike Kekich says he's like, you know, I'd like it to work out, but I'm really dubious now. You know, love is the strongest emotion I ever felt in my life. Oh. I'm one of the biggest soul searchers around, and I don't give a damn what other people say, but Marilyn does. So it sounds like that Marilyn was more, you know, now that it's been a whole media thing. Like she, you know, and I could, I could definitely yeah. see, like, yeah, that'd be that'd be a lot to deal with. Um, now he said, you know, I, I'm sad that we couldn't work things out, and I can't tell you how perfect would the whole arrangement would have been if it had worked. Um, now, on the other side of things, Fritz and Suzanne were doing great, and in fact, they're still together today, oh. going on 50 years of marriage. And so Fritz told a reporter in 2013, he said, you know, it's a love story. It wasn't anything dirty. I couldn't be happier with anybody in the world. My girl and I go out and party every night. We're still on the honeymoon. It's been a real blessing. Uh, it would have been perfect if things worked out, but I don't feel guilty. That's now, fabulous. to their credit, the two pitchers, they're able to put their personal uh, fallout aside for the good of the team with Kekic at the time saying he's like, you know, we're still teammates. I suppose I'm fortunate for being able to disassociate myself from other things. When I play baseball, I play baseball with nothing else on my mind. Uh, and he'll be a teammate because the only way to play baseball is as a team. Now, Kekic and Peterson actually did eventually end up getting traded. Uh, but <laughs> they actually ended up getting traded uh, both to Cleveland just a few seasons later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kekic was dealt midway through 1973 and Peterson the following year in 1974. Uh, now, Fritz Peterson went on to enjoy a productive career as a starting pitcher, retiring after 11 seasons and uh, in 1976. And then Kekic was more of like the journeyman type, transitioning to a relief role and retiring after nine years okay. in 1978. So that essentially is the, you know, the story of the great. New and then you got the Rick Manning situation, too. That's crazy. I haven't right after that. What what situation? The Rick Manning, Dennis, Dennis Eckersley's, Eckersley's situation. I don't think I've heard about that. Enlighten My, us. Oh, um, Rick Manning slept with Dennis Eckersley's wife, and that's what led to the trade that sent Eckersley to the Red Sox. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, they chose uh, Manning over Eckersley. It, it was indeed the wow. summer of love. It wasn't. It wasn't the same year. It was around right, the same yeah, yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Um. Yeah. But there is an epilogue to this story. So for a while, a movie about the swap was in production, headed by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I, I, I told you oh, we needed I it. I knew it. I, I told knew, you we needed oh, it. Well, that sounds so. That makes so much sense. No, wow. That's just. <laughs> it makes sense that it's a movie, or it makes sense that it was Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. That makes like sense. The, the screenwriting duo, everything. Yeah, yeah just. Well, yeah, and it's also like, sure. when you think about it as two Boston guys getting to tell a story about, you know, the Yankees, 
you oh, know, yeah. you know the, you've got that layer on top of it too and the, yeah the boss homophobia oh my goodness yeah but uh so appropriately you know i guess uh fritz peterson was all for the movie being made while yeah, mike kekich yeah mike <laughs> mike kekich was very much against the film being made which if you can you know it makes sense like if, can you imagine like ben affleck and and matt Damon i wouldn't want i mean about, that's basically just like a I wouldn't want that L. Like, I don't think anybody would yeah. take an L that big oh. in their life. It's in the time of social <laughs> media. Like, I, I yeah. doubt he's on Twitter, but that would be, um, yeah. Especially but, if they recognize your face, or your face. I wouldn't want my my name attached to that. Hey, if, you're the you're the one dude who who got cheated on, right? I think just in general, nobody wants a film made about one of the more humiliating experiences in their life, right? Like, that's, that's very true or heartbreaking. It, Exactly. Yeah. Heartbreaking too. Um, you know, so I, I definitely understand not wanting that film to come out, but I just, I can't get over that. It was of all people, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. It just um, makes sense. Like, like when, uh, you, when, when you hear their names attached to the, when you first hear their ideas, trans, when you're hearing like, oh, okay, I, I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst part. I don't know. Like, I feel like Seth Rogen could do this too, but it'd Seth be a wild, a wildly Seth different Rogen and Joseph tone. Gordon Levitt. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> but uh yeah so thus concludes the life swap a cautionary tale that the grass is not always greener if uh, you come to me by the life swap i'll kill you <laughs> <laughs> anyway um so that just about wraps up our episode uh here tonight um uh, be sure to follow patrick uh check out his black mlb and uh milb i've never said milb out loud uh, minor league series on his medium page follow him on twitter at tangible uno uh check tangible out the underscore underscore yeah. uno uh and then check out the red black green baseball podcast on the pl podcast network and on twitter at rbg baseball now patrick you want to plug your podcast real quick tell everyone what it's about yeah um my podcast focuses on african diaspora's relationship with baseball through one-on-one interviews um writers players and pros amateurs um scouts executives etc um, so far, Pat Nash Thomas, top prospect in Pittsburgh Pirate organization, Shakia Taylor, one of the premier baseball writers in baseball, um, Roger Garcia, the great grandson of Silvery Garcia, um, Negro Leagues legend, and um, uh, and the grandson of a uh, of an African Cuban player who played in in the Philadelphia Phillies organization and was roommates for Ray Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And I've also had one Hillman Jr., cool. uh, uh, a black left-handed pitcher in the Cleveland Guards organization as well on the show. That's phenomenal. That's really cool. And next week's episode is Matthew Roberson of the New York Daily News. All right. So check that out now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely follow Patrick on Twitter. He's got, I think, more uh, more reaction gifts in his phone than anybody I know. Like, like, like literally it's always like, like you'll quote tweet something with a wire, a wire gif. And I'm really like, how much space does this take up in your, in your photos folder, <laughs> my guy? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, like I have a whole bunch of wire clips. That's my, that's my favorite TV show ever. And nice. I'm kind of a part of a, um, a group of guys on Twitter who, who really have a cult follow about that show. Like we use references <laughs> about the show for everything. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure I know what she's all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and that's the thing, like, like Patrick will give you great, like, baseball content. And then it's also, he's also just really funny, too. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a good balance. <laughs> um, if you liked what you heard tonight, uh, or today, I guess, depending on what time you listen to this, uh, follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter at Short Hops PL. Follow Brandon at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A. Scott 6. 
Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, leave a review if you like. Tell a friend. Uh, help us reach new audiences. Uh, and so for Brandon Riddle, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time.